be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. CIO Talk Radio is sponsored by HP Data Center Services, Cloud Computing Services, and Workplace 360 Services. Are you ready for an instant-on world? Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Here's Sunjo Gall. Good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And uh, today's topic is, uh, do you run a rigid IT? And our guests for today's show are Bobby Cameron, who is the Vice President and Principal Analyst, who's serving CIO professionals at Forrester. Good morning, Bobby. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. Thank you. Very good. So you're spending your 20-hour days working or there's some fun in- involved as well? Well, I, I, I discovered a long time ago that, that if I didn't make time for fun, uh, it wouldn't show up. So, so what I decided to do is be passionate about work and passionate about play. So I'm, I'm, I just don't sleep. And tell about the 25-hour days that John Baldoni spends. He's the leadership coach and is a CIO Magazine columnist. He's also with us here today. John, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Just happy to be here, and thank you for the invitation. And uh, so what, when I said 25 hours a day, did you uh, see that as uh, close to being a, a reality or you're enjoying your two weeks vacation and eight hour days typically? <laughs> no, I, I run my own business. So uh, I have I've marched to a different drummer, but I make plenty of time for myself. No sympathies here. All right, there you go. So, so the topic that we picked up today, well, uh, we also see that the changes in the environment, whether it's business or IT or economy, everything is making people change the way they live their life and do business. And with that said, there's a lot of transformation expected out of all constituents. When it comes to IT and its management, we have been doing it in a certain way. And, and now that it is being challenged and or people are saying, if you keep doing what you were doing 10 years ago, it's not going to fly. So that's why we thought, why not we actually do a quick analysis on whether we are truly running a rigid IT. Maybe technology innovation has come in, but has the mindset changed to accommodate it? And also, uh, are we becoming a little more futuristic and a little more uh, appropriate uh, to the current environment? So with that said, John, let's start with you. Do you think actually oh, the directives from the business has changed, or is it just that the transformation of, of environment around us is supposed to uh, make a difference in the way we do things? Oh, I think it's, mo- uh, it's, it's a little bit of both. I, I mean, I think IT is always, in a, sadly, in a reactive mode to business conditions, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because by, uh, by its nature, uh, IT is a staff function. But um, what I've noticed, of course, and it's been going on for quite some time, is I found, uh, at least in the folks I work with in the IT world, 
they're very focused on the business and their business structure, excuse me, their IT structures are twinned with uh, business units. So they're very much in tune with the, the direction of where a business will go. So um, I, I find the folks that I work with pretty responsive, but it is, you know, things change, situations change, and then IT changes. Uh, let me put a different uh, perspective on that, John. Um, I fully agree with what you've said in terms of a lot of the, 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 the basics, but I think we're actually entering a new era where um, companies, CIOs, let's just keep it focused on the role, uh, who don't enter into a partnership or a different structure with their business will, will do two things. One is that they will uh, help drive... Um, disjoint lack of coordinated coordinated behavior by their business peers one and two they will themselves end up being relegated into the engine room if you will of of the IT world and so let me get real clear about why I say that um, the the whole world of consumerization the internet easy access to solutions has put the customer and it's easy to come up with the consumer examples, but it's very true B2B as well, have put the customer in the driver's seat. We call it the age of the customer. And this is not about knowing the customer or being you know, more interactive. It's about being obsessed with the customer from value delivery perspective across the entire value chain, which frequently means across the whole corporation and its partners. That's huge technology challenge. And it can't be reactive in the sense of waiting for the business to tell IT what to do. IT's got to shift into the driver's seat, one, and two, enable the business guys who are doing it anyway to take action on their own and to do it safely within policy and security, et cetera, um, uh, in, in order to achieve business goals. And so I think what that means is that there are IT execs who behave as a staff function, as you, you uh, called it, and it's a very valid for probably two-thirds of CIOs today, very valid statement. But in those situations, somebody else in the company is driving the use of technology, and if it's not tied to the engine room, if it's not integrated in the thinking of how the core technologies get delivered, then it can cause problems. No, with with whatever we have been doing in the past, there were progressive organizations where the mindset wasn't rigid, and then there were organizations who had that rigid mindset or structured mindset, and it worked for them well. Now, it may or may not work. So, do you think you can you can be structured, and be agile, and be progressive all at the same time, John? Uh, I'll defer to Bobby on that. <laughs> Well, and, and so now you're going to you're let, let me put a stake in the ground. The the answer I think is that that those uh, pieces you enumerated have to be taken care of. I don't think I think it's a miracle person who can handle that much complexity. So the, the what is happening, and 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 you can see it in very interesting ways, uh, is that the the the, the um, rigid part of IT is getting even more rigid. There are companies out there who uh, who have bit the bullet, um, and for the infrastructure, the core transaction engines, probably I don't know, 75 to to, to even 90 percent of the technology stack are going into single vendor uh, stacks, highly integrated but highly tuned. Major UK-based bank um, has an aggressive move to be able to do this. 
uh, these global operations, they're able to configure a branch. That means define what the technologies are to run a branch in a matter of hours. It used to be a four- to six-week project, and they're doing that because they got rid of best of breed and went with an integrated controlled stack to make that happen. On the other side, the side facing the customer, there's a great deal of agility, incredibly responsive. So how does one person handle that? They have the control-oriented activity under the management of a technical person who is all about the rigidity, all about the structure, while the the CIO in this case is helping the business drive mobility, some mobile platforms, integrating uh, the financial services delivered across um, new payment structures, new ways to do uh, banking activity, etc. So, that's, so that's the way it's working out. John, I, I don't know if you're seeing that with your customers or not. That kind of a CIO gets, gets into the business, uh, the leading edge, agile stuff, and has someone who works for him nail the uh, transaction stuff. Uh, yeah, that's appropriate. Now, question is, uh, John, I'll come back to you. All this was not to empathize with the CIO or their condition or situation. Do you think the rigidity at all existed? Or uh, suppose we take technology stack. So, yes, you have to have a structure for you to give predictable output. But rigidity was primarily in the minds of the folks who were running the shop and which could very well be the CIO. Do you think yesterday's rigid or structured thinking-oriented CIOs have actually worn a new skin, and now they are the most flexible, progressive, forward-thinking animals? Of course not, uh, because we have to understand that uh, I think we're missing a, a key point here. And CIOs, last I checked, are human beings. <laughs> we only change when we want to change, when it's too painful not to change, as uh, the great Rosabeth Moss Cantor has written. So, no, I think that, yeah, rigidity, I'd like to define rigidity in the sense that if you're talking technology, old technology versus no, new technology, uh, you know, uh, backroom versus mobile, whatever it is, um, yeah, that's been painful. And so I think that, yeah, you are seeing it. I think they want to embrace, I mean, IT people by their nature will embrace new technology because that's the field that they're in. But we as human beings cling to old, comfortable ways because we are comfortable with the status quo, and we only want to change if we absolutely have to change. So I think what you're missing here is the human element in all of this. And I sense in the folks that I work with, now I'm on the leadership end of it. I'm not a tech guy. So I deal with the, the human beings who power these things and, and make these decisions. So... Um, I think what you're overlooking is, is the human equation. And I see the human equation is very open to doing things new and differently. And I don't see business really um, uh, doesn't understand IT world. And IT too, for itself doesn't do a great job of, uh, of ex- explicating its case. So, you know, there's a little bit of a disconnect there. So it's always easy. And you're, you know, you talk about this, uh, Sanjay Gawad, you know, to beat up on the IT people because it's, they're an easy target. They, often they don't even fight back. So it's one of those things. So I think let's not forget the human element in this. So and, and that's core. I, I think, I think you said that, John, very well is that the, and, and, and so when I was talking about that sort of, uh, two different people handling the, the uh, um, rigid IT versus the agile IT, um, one, one, it's not going to be the same person because of that. And there are CIOs who ex- 
explicitly or accidentally force themselves into the tech, technical role, which is where the rigidity is, um, uh, in order to, to maintain that world. And actually, let me use some language. Uh, I, I was avoiding it because I didn't want to introduce it in the middle of what I was saying up front. But um, uh, Michael Moore, the crossing the chasm guy, has language he's using that we've adopted at Forrester is, is very descriptive. He talks about systems of record, which is the stuff IT used to do almost entirely. So that's the accounting system or the you know order processing system or the patient record or whatever. And the... Um, systems of record versus systems of engagement. And it turns out the bulk of what needs to change fast are engagement systems, not the record keeping. And we historically uh, treated those as if they were one integrated whole. And what's happening now is the system of engagement is where there is real volatility. Uh, somewhere around 37% of American employees bring new technology to work stuff that IT didn't spec out, so a device, a website, an application. And if you look at the 20-somethings, it's two-thirds of bringing a device to work, and they're using it to support work. Um, and that is a good thing because it drives innovation. It helps uh, improve the, the, the performance of the business. The problem is it's, it's also got to deal that's, So that's an engagement tool. It's also got to be linked back to, into the um, transactions where privacy, security, uh, 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 compliance with regulatory, all that stuff doesn't go away. Now, with all this, just what we said, primarily we are saying if IT is going to be seen as flexible and progressive, if it is going to adopt BYOD or BYOC, wouldn't that be seen as a very myopic definition of what rigidity could be? Because one of it is that, okay, I say yes to embrace and perhaps support bringing your own devices and me, us supporting it. So that's one area. Where all other places is the rigidity persisting over the years? And maybe let's give it a benefit of doubt that they might be doing it for a reason. Not everybody is, a, is, is someone who's naive, who doesn't understand why you got to be sticking to a certain set of norms and, and rules and regulations. So when we come back, let's take a quick break right now. When we come back, let's inventory where all we saw rigidity in the past, where all do we see rigidity today, which all is justified versus what all is just dogmatic approach and which is counterproductive and it's not helping business. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We live in an instant-on world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP solution for managing secure servers, storage, and networks, delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The instant-on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com. We live in an instant-on world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change, that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. The instant-on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Visit hp.com for answers. 
From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show, here's Sanjo Gall. Welcome back. So, Bobby, let's quickly inventory the type of rigidity that has been existing over the years, and some of that has persisted. Others have morphed into something else. Maybe it's gone away or it's morphed into a different type of uh, norms and regulations. And which ones are, are actually justified? Well, that's that's the perfect place to start the conversation, and because this is about the the people who have to deal with the decisions related to this. So, Go historically, everything had to be rigid. Why? We, we, the technology was, was imprecise, non-standard. We had to, to build a lot of stuff to make it work. Uh, Forty years ago, banks were building their own computer networks in order to connect. There was not a public network. Today, the Internet handles the bulk of that traffic. Um, so uh, a, a considerable amount of the technology that we used to consider variable now can, in fact, be stabilized. So that the, the list is huge that has made that transition. However, the business results um, that we were trying to be rigid in the technology in order to maintain, and that was that system of record comment I made about uh, 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 what Michael Moore uses as the language a minute ago, the system of record for my bank account, I want to be accurate and precise, and, oh, by the way, the government requires it. However... When the bank deals with me to help entice me to use new products and services, to maybe do investments with them or maybe use a money market or an IRA, uh, any of those kinds of things, the bank doesn't have to be precise. And what's happening is IT guys who were, grew up in the system of record days where we had to make everything precise haven't made the transition to loose enough to support the speed with which the business needs, needs to move. So that's really the distinction, I think. And the, the problem to the CIO, and, and John was making this comment a minute ago, the problem's about the person who has to manage both that rigidity, which is still incredibly valid for my bank account, but also the flexibility, which enables the marketing guys to move as fast as they feel they need to to be competitive. Now, John, you deal with a lot of leaders and also help them become better leaders. Do you think a person can become better leader and still carry those old dogmatic and or rigid patterns with them with respect to managing the environment, maybe technology or people or processes? That's a very powerful question, and I like the way you put it. The the very easy answer is absolutely no. Um, The very nature of leadership is that it's dynamic. You know, uh, while there may be, uh, I think I I read a statistic by... um, um, I'm sorry, Barbara Kellerman in her wonderful new book, End of Leadership, said there are something like 40,000 definitions of leadership, and I know that I've probably contributed at least five um, and of them. But one of, one of my working definitions is that leaders do what the organization needs them to do. And so part of that means that there's a dynamic. And it's just as you said, one cannot be rigid or beholden to the past in a technology field per se, uh, 
um, and obviously unwilling to change. At the same time, there's a legacy and there's a heritage that you want to respect. So we, were, we would re- respect all of the good things of our past, but embrace the flexibility, the agility of the new ways of doing things. And so I think Bobby hit a really key point, the way he um, described the then and now is the conversation that CIOs need to have internally uh, with their own staffs. And I don't hear a lot of that, but I like the way Bobby encapsulated it. You know, some things it's good enough, other things we need to, you know, be as precise as we've always been. That dynamic is different, and I think people need to hear that kind of talk. Now, John, do you think that given a typical CIO's tenure or an IT leader's tenure is four year minus, and in fact, last time I heard, it's gone close to three years minus, with those many stints over the years, which makes them CIO or even after they become CIO in a number of companies, if they carry that rigidity in the way they approach technology and business IT alignment and the way they create value, Imagine the amount of damage that could be created across multiple organizations. Do you think there is a way to proactively diagnose and or see the the signs of that rigidity at the time of someone interviewing a CIO or the CIO themselves that this could actually cause multiple disasters and instead of creating net positive value, you will create a lot more harm than what you do good? Right. I would probably say if a CIO is... Jumping from going from different organization to different organizations. In my experience, that type of CEO, CIO, is pretty what I would call progressive and aware and understands the dynamic. And one of the reasons they're changing, I don't necessarily jobs is not because they've been forced out, but because there's new opportunities. Now, Bobby may have a different perspective on that. So that's not the person I would be worried about. I would be worried about the CIO who's been there for a long time and doesn't need to change uh, because, you know, it's the same old, same old. And so that's the, the difference that I would see. Uh, that's an, I, interesting. I, I, I think that that characterization certainly persists, uh, and, and that is the, the, probably the most common characterization. But I think, uh, meaning the... the the CIO to worry about, but I actually think that there's now an a a, a level of um, discomfort on the uh, from the business execs. We call it the the, the uh, IT business gap. Um, it's a perception gap, I think, more than reality, but it's certainly a gap where uh, we survey uh, senior business execs globally across sector uh, annually. And for, for years now, we've seen that somewhere around three-quarters of business execs say technology is, is either vital or extremely important to their uh, success, but then ask how their IT organization is in terms of, of meeting the business leader's expectations, uh, that num- number drops in half as to, to those who perceive their CIO and organization are doing a good job. That gap, I think, explains a lot of the turnover, um, uh, meaning if if the business leadership isn't uh, experiencing the IT organization as helping them out, whatever the business guys think is important, then then CIO's head's going to roll, and and that's probably um, you know driving a lot of the turnover. But we also have the other thing happening, where uh, which is what you described, I think, John, where is where the CIO comes in is much more aggressive than the business people, and and you know is trying to push them too fast. And I think the 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 the, the uh, balance between those two roles has to be understood by a CIO when they enter a company, 
So a CIO at a, um, at a much more traditional company, a transportation company, uh, spoke to me the other day. He came from a more aggressive transportation company and thought he was moving back into you know, the same kind of company when he, he essentially got promoted from a non-CIO role into a CIO role. The new company he came to, um, he was he was shocked to find out at how slow the business guys were to even understand the power of technology uh, in the transportation sector, and so he would be the characterization of what you talked about in the uh, you know the CIO who's more progressive than the business guys. But I think there's a huge blend of those two situations, and probably increasingly the rigid CIO, to use Senjak's language, the rigid CIO is not likely to be. Uh, uh, surviving against that gap of perception where the business guys really need somebody to help them move. Now, there's also been a flavor that existing, and it has been seen by many of us, is you might have a progressive CIO, even if a person is inside the organizations and working on change management, but the mid-management or people on the front line have been persisting. Maybe a new leader came, so he's trying to change it, but these people want to somehow save their job and or perhaps they are producing more than average or better than average results, but they have rigid mindsets. Now, you cannot just be a Hercules at the top and try to change the world when your crew has that rigidity persisting in it. What do you do to make sure that you remove rigidity, if that's what is the one-word substitution of a lot of different traits people have, which could be counterproductive across the organization. So, John, do you want to take this? Yeah, sure. I mean, and what you're doing is no different than any other kind of change initiative, and change initiatives are very hard, um, and they're not easily. Some very Sometimes uh, people can change. Other times people do not have the skill set to change or the comfort level to change or the ability to do it. And so those people, if they're in middle management or management within the IT organization, can be roadblocks and obstacles. But if I'm driving a change initiative, what I do is I sell it, I advocate it, I communicate it, I talk up, up its benefits, I meet at every level, and then I hold people accountable for affecting that change. And if they don't affect that change, then we need to make a uh, uh, deal with them and put them in roles where, they're not, where they can function at the best, but they're not holding back uh, the progress of the organization. So, and as far as the frontline employees, given that maybe some tend to be on the younger side, they're more technologically savvy and more aware and more probably pushing for change anyway. So the issue with them is in, in resistance to change is often for those in the middle, and that's that tough area. But from the CIO's perspective, he or she has to go out and communicate the directive uh, and then hold people accountable. At the same time, support, um, get, get, provide resources so that people can change and um, make it more comfortable for them to do so. Now, change is never easy, and it's not like pulling a switch, but management needs to sell its benefits and then really get behind it and communicate it and then hold people accountable for making the change. And, and, and uh, I'll add a, even more um, emphatic support of what John says. Change management is a, is a well-understood discipline, and it's quite surprising to me how few companies uh, have change management as a practice. And specifically what I'm talking about is, is as John said, when you, when you start to move, um, 
the junior resources have to move or they lose their jobs. Everybody's clear about that. The senior resources, the execs, are the ones who are planning the move, and they've gone through whatever pain they have to go through to make the decisions to do the transformation. The resistance of the guys in the middle is classic. It's not an IT change problem. It's just a human problem. And getting those people on board uh, and helping, having them help move the company forward is the key target of change management practice. And uh, typically uh, that change management practice will have a very senior person uh, in charge of change management. They may or may not be the practitioner, but they, they own the, the, the practice. And they, for transformation projects as, uh, as well as, as smaller, you know, just incremental projects, put in place methodologies or, or processes where all the things John's talking about are explicitly part of, a, of a, an initiative. Uh, communication of the executive commitment, what, what the company's trying to do, uh, what class of change is expected. That communication has to be early and continuous. Uh, engage with with everybody involved in the change, asking them what they uh, what what they see as the uh, opportunities of the change, what they see as the hurdles, taking their feedback into account and actually using it to to drive success in the project. I'll give you an example. Another UK bank. I, I, don't, uh, I don't know why I'm picking on the UK this morning. Another UK bank is stabilizing its core back office technology, and that's that trend to move to a single vendor model I was talking about. And part of doing that means that the skill, detailed, deep skills they need are fewer because the tools from the vendor actually hide the complexity of the detail. So old school IT guys, career people who've lived at the bottom of the uh, engine room are now either having to shift out of that company or improve their skills. Very threatening. Highly, and, and some of these are that middle management. So what they're do the bank is doing is uh, providing lots of education, helping everybody understand why the bank's making this stabilization move, what the benefits are, as well as providing huge opportunities for new jobs that that uh, take advantage of of uh, the knowledge and skills for these people. Um, so not everybody's going to make the turn. That's just just reality. But uh, companies who practice change management. Uh, optimize the ability to move forward. And one final example there, uh, I was interviewing actually this guy at this bank yesterday who runs infrastructure and operations. He said one of his best practices is to find one of these resistant middle managers, help them understand the benefits of the change to their own personal success, getting their job done. And then he said that the guy I was interviewing said, and that makes the whole train move. Now, with that said, we'd love to take a quick break here. And also, when we come back, let's paint a scenario. Change management initiative started. Leader at the top is very progressive. Does a lot of coaching and education to the mid-management that this is going to be a lot better for you. This person or a set of people who have old-style management from a mid-management level and are rigid, the word rigid here is to be used, and that person agrees after a few coaching lessons, maybe sometimes deep down thinking, if I do not show that I have agreed to this new way of thinking, I'll lose my job and there are not many options out there. What you got was at the top, kudos that you brought successful change management. Down there at the mid-management level, the person is thinking, 
I have agreed to it. Now I'll have to live with it. And there goes the engagement of that mid manager. There goes the motivation to do some innovation in the in the in the trenches which you want for your organization to have in order to move forward. Let's explore this scenario when we come back. Please stay tuned. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We live in an instant-on world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change, that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. The Instant On Enterprise is here. Are you ready? Visit hp.com for answers. We live in an Instant On world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP's solution for managing secure servers, storage, and networks, delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The Instant On Enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show, here's Sanjo Gall. Welcome back. So, Bobby, uh, would you want to just take a stab at this scenario where the top person at the top gets a raise in their paycheck because they created a successful change management or delivered a successful change management initiative and a person at mid or mid level or a frontline worker is demotivated and scared to death and, and, and not contributing towards subsequent innovation? Yeah, and in fact, I'll say it's more insidious than, than you've laid it out. It is frequently the case that that middle management individual you're describing um, slows down or even scuttles the transformation. Uh, it, it doesn't that that the the scuttling is done quietly. It's done, you know, almost done below the radar. But it's 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 actually an incredibly significant uh, negative to transformation. And and so the the um, the situation I think comes from several things. One is that the CIO who doesn't understand that they're dealing with people is not uncommon. It's, it's, it's human nature for the engineering type of person, I think, to, um, to have less skill in dealing with the human side of things. And uh, I mentioned that bank in, in England that, um, where the head of infrastructure and operations is aware of his people and the, the changes that they have to go through. Um, that's much more unusual than not. And so it's really incumbent on the CIO, if they don't have that proclivity on their own, to in fact bring these change management people in who are trained and who have the skills, and et cetera, to recognize uh, who's really on board and who's not, um, and to, to find opportunities for those not on the board uh, on board uh, with, with the change as much as possible to move forward and be contributors. So like the you know like that engineer type you described who 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 might uh, uh, smile and say yes I'm on board but not really be doing anything um, that person may have to be removed 
Um, but, you know, it, it, there's, it, there's a classic set of percentages that seem to prove out pretty consistently, and that is that maybe 15 to 20% of an IT organization are helping to drive change or even ahead of change, let's say it that way, pulling the, the, the uh, organization and the company. Uh, the bulk of the organizations, so let's say, uh, in, you know, in the range of 60% are, um, you know, are, are, are resistant but can be trained and, and coached to, to, to make the change. And then some non-trivial number, and I've left 35 points, but, it, you know, it, it, it could be smaller, it could be larger, really aren't going to make the change easily, and some number of those either need to be moved into other positions that that aren't part of the transformation or removed from the company. Now, John, do you think this person at the top, should he or she take the responsibility of, while, of course, delivering a successful change management initiative, but at the same time when they identify eventually the people who may have just smiled and said yes and are otherwise demotivated or even sabotaging, Unknowingly or knowingly sabotaging, should they take the accountability for this? Without question. I mean, there are the person at the top. They're being paid a good salary, and they're responsible for the uh, running and optimization of that or of their function. So anything that happens, and they're they're responsible for. So um, you know, and those people, as you know, as Bobby said, need to be weeded out, especially if they're resistant or sabotaging i mean there's no excuse for that um and um you know i you know ideally they can be put into functions where they're in non-management roles and they can you know a lot of these people were promoted into they have good skills but no managerial skills and and as bobby said alluded earlier maybe not the best interpersonal skills so put them in a role where they can function and basically do some help but no harm and so that will send a signal through the organization that the CIO's change initiative is for real. Now, one of the reasons that people in the middle um, are resistant to change, not simply the discomfort level, is because they can get away with it. You know, as you talked about high turnover on CIO's functions, whatever it is, you know, uh, people, the, the tendency is I'll just put my head down and this too will pass. And, and it often does, so they stay there. So your middle ranks become ossified. So that's where that accountability, and you hit it rightly on the head, uh, Sanjog, is that it's up to the CIO to weed out or streamline, optimize the organization so that it functions at all levels. And, you know, those people can't, if you ask the right questions, you talk to the right people, you can identify who they are. It's pretty, it's not rocket science. And so then you give those people either you provide them with an alternative to change, provide them the resources, sometimes perhaps coaching, whatever, and just and hold them accountable for enacting. And if they don't, then you must part ways in one way or another. So, Bobby, what's the genesis of this rigidity? Nobody comes from, from home thinking that I'm going to be rigid today and I'm going to screw up everything that's happening today. Well, I, I, actually, I think they do come from home uh, thinking that, as as the change gets more and more threatening, I, I think that you know the we some of us humans are comfortable with change, love it, in fact thrive on it, uh, and that was actually John was using that as an example of the CIO who who comes into a company and, and tries to drive change and the company can't tolerate it, and and so the CIO ends up moving to another company. Um, but 
but we all of us people are not alike, and of course there are lots of models. Uh, Myers Briggs being one of the most popular, uh, they try to explain the difference in personalities. It's very important for organizations to have their executive leaders and management, so top and middle level people, trained to deal with the differences and to, in fact, use those differences positively. Because if you put a person who's uh, you know, introverted uh, engineer type in a position where they're supposed to be extroverted and 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 dealing with constant change in the external world, they're not going to succeed. Let and me ask you this: you 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 answered question assuming that rigidity existed. I'm saying, if suppose you do a change management today, yep. you go through this initiative, you clean the house. What stops, or what would prevent, or what will ensure that the rigidity will not get reintroduced? What is that toxicity that gets introduced over a period of time that the people who otherwise wanted to do a good job become resistant to change? Because people, I'm sure our HR is not that bad that they cannot, uh, you know, figure out the the bad from the good in the beginning. Actually, I think I said something a little bit different, Sanjay. What I said is that. There actually are rigid people who like rigidity, who are very good at it, and there are jobs that require that. So I go back to my banking example. I don't want the person who's messing with my checking account software. I, I spent eight and a half years in Chase Manhattan's banking business. I don't want the person who's messing with my checking account to be anything but rigid. I want all of that complexity to be nailed down. And and when I worked at Chase, you know, occasionally we blew it, and Chase paid tons of dollars in penalties when we blew it. Uh, that's the way the system works. However, that's not the person who's going to be driving the transformation, and that person may not be good at transformation. So in my HR planning and, and the like, I've got to know that person and find ways to make sure that they're in the right job. I saw that person is really good at that rigidity. I often talk about the storage area network tuner, who's not likely to be very flexible and, and into the marketing world. So I don't want my sand tuner sitting in marketing organizations, meetings representing IT. Now, you said this, and now do you think something gets lost? And, John, this is a question back to you. Do you think as part of as people go about uh, building leaders within the organization, etc., do they lose that HR file somehow that these guys originally came from a position which demanded rigidity, and these guys by design would have been hired for that trait of theirs, and now we are trying to move to the more progressive, flexible role? It's a self-defeating exercise. Um, I think it's, it's – I don't, I don't know that there's an HR file that says that, but it's a good way of doing it. Yeah, we, that's what holds up things. And this is what – you know, it's a classic thing. What keeps CEOs up at night It's what you don't know. Do I have an organization that is capable of moving in the direction that the market uh, wants to take it or that we need to go there? So – you know, once you, if you have a lot of legacy people in the organization, do I have the right people in the right spots? This is what every business faces in anything, and that's part of the maturation of business. And how do you keep people nimble, flexible, and and changing? And some people embrace change when they're uh, throughout their lives. Others uh, become rigid in their twenties. That's human nature. The, the, they up, it's up to management to find the right people and then put them in the right spots and enable them to succeed. And so. Uh, you need to put people where their comfort zone is. And uh, in the wonderful book called, it's still a, it's still a classic, it's uh, First Break All the Rules, um, where the uh, Buckingham and Kaufman dissected, there's a difference between talent and skills. Skills are things that we can acquire. 
talent is our proclivities. And as if we talk about somebody who likes to work in a controlled environment and likes things rigid, that's my proclivity. I'm not going to be happy working in a fast-changing, agile, scalable world. So there's a disconnect right there. Um, could that person do it? Yes, but it's probably not the best place for them. And those type of people, they're not going to be happy in a management world which demands change, responsiveness, uh, and things like that. So that's, you know, finding the right people in the right spots, that's always the challenge. At the same time, I do believe in the capacity for people to change if they're incented to change. In other words, they see the benefit of it, and, oh, I can embrace that. But it's, you know, you have to find that right mix, and when organizations change, it's hard to do. And, and, and go back to the, the, the whole concept of change management as a discipline. The stuff John's describing is part of the skill of a, of a change management person to understand that uh, change makes most of us uneasy. Those of us who get excited by that uneasiness and, and, and look forward to change understand how we'll benefit and, and, and get what we need to get out of a change and find new opportunities. Those who get shut down by it uh, don't have that vision of how it can help them. And so change management as a discipline actually works at trying to, to provide to the organization writ large that's doing the transformation, provide the kinds of hooks to help people find themselves and find the, 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 the opportunities and excitement and potential uh, and not just the fear of change. And it's, it's that type of mechanism that change management practitioners put in place. So it's, and it's go, go back to remind you, it's where the senior execs talk about the strategy and the goals and, and the tra- change that's underway and how they'll benefit, um, uh, you know, the, 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 the whole process, engaging early all those who are going to be impacted, asking them for input, telling them uh, what's happening relative to their input, how it's going to impact them. So people understand early on and continuously where the change is, where they fit, so that they get more comfortable with the change and find their path through it. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's draw a parallel with an antivirus software. So antivirus software, you got a virus, it comes, it scans, it cleans it. But it also comes with an option to immunize against future similar threats. Could this be adopted and or could this be put into practice when it comes to removing rigidity and preventing against future introduction introduction of rigidity? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back and explore. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. We live in an instant-on world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP solution for managing secure servers, storage, and networks delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The instant-on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com. We live in an instant-on world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change, that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. 
the instant on enterprises here. Are you ready? Visit hp.com for answers. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show, here's Sanjo Gall. Welcome back. So uh, the, the parallel that we were drawing before the break was an antivirus software cleats the virus, but also gives you an option to immunize the program so that going forward, the same viruses don't get a chance to enter in. Do you think we can have our change management build, have a built-in immunization approach so that going forward, the next IT leader who comes or if the same IT leader doesn't keep doing this cleanup over and over? John. Um, uh, it's an interesting question, and I like the analogy where you're going about immunization. I would probably switch it a little bit and talk. It's not so much immunization. It's fitness. And think of fitness. It's conditioning. And it's putting the right people in the right spot. So keeping yourself nimble and agile. At the same time, it's what Bobby's been talking about. There are situations where you need the... Um, um, the discipline of IT in, in your system. So you're always going to need a, a body of people who are adherent to the details and the disciplines and how things are. If you want to call that rigid, call that rigid. That's fine, but you're always going to need the nimble thinkers. So it's finding a balance. It can't be all one way or all another. So that's why immunization would block everything except for the nimble. <laughs> ad, and what you get is chaos. From that, so you still need a balance of your doers your, and as well as your thinkers and your creators. It's finding that, optimizing that, and how do you do that? It comes in over, and how do you keep organizations keep themselves fresh? It's through hiring, it's through training, it's through development, but also with the goals of the company. This is what we want to do, and everything filters down from your strategic imperatives and your vision for the organization. So keep orienting that way. So. Again, I think I would use the analogy of fitness rather than immunization. And, and, and to get, just give an example, I think John said it very well, an example of the kinds of things that, that are happening. These are, these are major trends. Um, organizations, organizations are, in fact, structuring. I mentioned this up front uh, in the call. Um, are restructuring so that the technology part, so that's typically development and operations of the systems of engagement, the heavy, I mean, sorry, systems of record, the heavy lifting stuff that we really want to be rigid, my checking account, is under a single executive in the IT organization who has those skills, manages those people. Then that person typically reports to the CIO, but the CIO, the rest of the CIO's staff, and it's usually a small percentage of the total staff, are in fact hired to be um, business goal-focused, to be creative thinkers, innovative, to engage actively with the, the business organizations, to empower those organizations, to uh, drive uh, rapid incremental change that's smart, that, that you know, uh, touches the customer across the life cycle, et cetera. So it is, it is an explicit uh, organizational structure and hiring strategy that companies are taking. Now, would you think there would be an opportunity for us to do a creative destruction 
within IT department so that we clean up, like what we were talking about, clean up the shop. But most organizations, as part of change management, try to do it incrementally, and that becomes far more painful. And many times, it you know, it's a sinking ship, so they just stop it. Do you think creative destruction is an option where we literally start clean sweep, somehow figure out a way to maintain the continuity of service that IT needs to deliver to business, but we do not look at it as incremental change? How, how practical is it, John? Oh, I, you know, I, it's fun to talk about terms of creative and destruction, but let's not forget the people equation. Because if you start go down that pattern, that is going to cause chaos. And it's the legacy, the cleanup of that is going to take years to do. And people are always going to wonder, when is it going to happen again? So I would prefer a term like renewal um, and regeneration. Uh, those are more affirming terms than destruction. And so uh, if you take that approach toward change management, it's much more reassuring. It integrates change into the human dynamic, which is that change is always occurring. Whether we know it or like it or embrace it, it's going to happen regardless. So that's sort of the mindset, and that's what leaders come, new leaders coming into an organization, uh, whether they're IT or whatever, need to embrace the change dynamic, but also be respectful of the past and the accomplishments of people, um, what they have done, and just say, here's where we're going to do things new and different, educate people, communicate clearly, hold people accountable, and keep reinforcing this through the communication and accountability um, uh, equation that way. Yeah, and, 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 and that's exactly the reality. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, Verizon, the, the telecommunications company, uh, probably has had one of the ugliest back offices technology-wise as any company in the universe uh, because of the, the acquisitions and mergers that occurred, uh, you know, G, GTE, Bell Atlantic, 9X, and all of their predecessors. So, so one would say if they were, were trying to do creative destruction, they'd have to throw all that mass out and start, you know, brand new. Well, as John pointed out, you just can't do that, not with the people, not with the technology, not with the business. So what they did that was brilliant uh, and driven by the GTE, former GTE CIO became Verizon CIO, and I think he's now at, at Barclays, uh, um, uh, Shai Karadpur. Um, what he did is, in fact, this incremental move, but what he did was isolate that complex old stuff that had to move slowly, incrementally at a pace, and use the the abstraction. Now we're talking technology here, and I'll just just use the word and throw it away. But the abstraction layer was put in place so that change could occur outside of that abstraction layer. So new products, new services, competitive edge work, where they've been very successful at at, at holding and gaining market share, depending on exactly which market we're talking about. While they, the the uh, Europeans use the word harmonize, which I think is a great word. They harmonize all that. Uh, uh, mess in the back office. And that's really the kind of thing that has to happen. Yes, creative destruction is critical to success in this new world, and it, and, and, but typically it's adjacent, which means incremental. Uh, very few firms are successful at throwing everything out and starting anew um, in, the, in, in the middle of their business model. Um, but that creative destruction has to respect the fact that the, the stability is required. Okay, 30 seconds each. Up to three words that come to your mind, which leadership should have as a trait, which could then help remove rigidity and prevent future introduction of rigidity uh, wherever it's not warranted. 
in, 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 you know, uh, in the process. So, John, three words. Uh, respect, resilience, and accountability. Bobby. Uh, business focus, uh, roles and responsibilities. Thank you so much again. It looks like that rigidity has its place, but with respect to what's going on in the business and IT world, we definitely have to become far more nimble and agile and flexible, and it's going to still be the CIO's responsibilities, or perhaps we'll have to recommend getting them two paychecks in order for them to deliver that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, otherwise, uh, best of luck to all the IT leaders out there who are trying to make this a far more nimble, flexible world with respect to IT management. Thank you so much again, Bobby and John. And uh, listeners, uh, if you have any questions or comments, please send us to uh, questions at CIOtalkradio.com. That is questions at CIOtalkradio.com. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Join Sanjal Gall next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific for another hour of CIO Talk Radio. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Citrix, offering go-to assist, remote support made easy.